dementia researcher with a blog and a rating. Err on the side of patronising. This is going to be a series of writing exercises, hints and tips for everyone starting out on their first paper, grant or project report. Like the title, I am also going to err on the side of patronising. Because it's much more pro forma than my previous blogs, I'm going to have subtitles to help you navigate. Don't make assumptions. This is the first and most important message I can say to you. Do not ever, under any circumstances, assume the person reading your work is intelligent. Okay, that's a little unfair, so I'll pair it back. Do not assume that just because you know what you're talking about, that they do too. You know why it's exciting and important, but you need to convey that and convey it in an easy and understandable way. One of my favorite sayings is an A.A. Milne, Winnie the Pooh quote. It is more fun to talk with someone who doesn't use long, difficult words, but rather short, easy words like, what about lunch? And that applies to life as well as science. Let's take an example. Sentence one. Differences in scaling play a key role in the comparison of anatomical venous networks, which can be evidenced via specific analytical metrics that evaluate topological equivalence. Sentence two. Differences in scaling between the vascular networks can be shown using specific tools to measure similarities in shape and form. Can you see how the second sentence is much easier to understand than the first, but still says the same thing? Yes, there will be instances where you need to use technical language. It is science after all. But you do not need to surround this technical jargon with $10 words because you think it makes you sound clever. It doesn't. All it does is make the reader of whatever you're writing have to read slower and become steadily more annoyed. Abstracts. These are a relatively easy one to practice. Go and find a random paper, black out the abstract, read the paper, and try writing the abstract after you've read the paper. It's a nice exercise for undergrads, but you can easily work your way up to it if the prospect is slightly terrifying for you. Start by writing a really short summary of the paper. In this paper, Fred and colleagues have used this model to look at something and they found something interesting. Then work your way up from there. The approach I think works well to start is the intro methods results discussion method. Some journals get you to split your abstract this way, so start by actually writing it out like this. Split your text relatively evenly and try to write three or four sentences for each of the sections. You'll find this works quite well, but if you then just merge it all into one big abstract without the sections split, it becomes slightly clunky and unreadable. Try merging the sections, then pruning as you go. This might mean adding linker sentences or phrases. Words like therefore or thus, which might not have been necessary in the split version, but which make the abstract flow much better. Abstracts for grants, or the brief introductory paragraph of space they give you, are a little bit more of a skill. Like a paper abstract, they're space limited, so my major tip for these is get to the point quickly. The people reading these are too busy to read 250 words of waffle on why dementia or stroke or whatever is the world's worst problem and the nuances of why astrocyte activation or carer freedom contribute to that problem. What they want to do is read, this is the problem, this is what we're going to do. 
Do not be afraid to leap straight into that, as weird as it's going to read if it's the first one you've written. I'll give you an example of one of my recent ones. Every year, 150,000 people suffer a stroke in the UK, and of those who survive, more than 100,000 suffer functional disability. Lack of understanding of the mechanisms of brain cell death after stroke, coupled with lack of effective translational pipelines from preclinical to clinical research, has hampered our ability to develop new therapies. This project aims to study the metabolic changes associated with stroke and seeks to exploit the contribution of the mammalian target of rapamycin pathway to these changes. Can you see how I've gone? Sentence one, here is the magnitude of the problem. Sentence two, this is why it's a problem. Sentence three, this is what I'm going to do about it. You don't need to know just yet why mTOR is important or what role it plays. We can get to that later. Get the message across quickly so they know what you're doing and more importantly, you get their attention. Lay summaries. These are one of my favorite things to write. That makes me sound really sad, but I genuinely enjoy them. It's a proper skill to be able to write a good lay summary and I am nowhere near a master yet, but I like practicing. One thing I was told early on by someone or other senior was that when reading grants, people often skip straight to the lay summary to figure out roughly what the project is about in easy words before going back and reading it all through properly. In many larger applications, you'll not only have to write a summary for a totally lay audience, but also a technical summary for an educated non-specialist. Again, the first major tip is do not make assumptions. If we start with the lay summary, my best tip is to try writing it and then find an actual lay person and get them to read it. If they understand what you wrote, then great, you win a gold star. If they don't, then we have a problem. And usually the problems occur because you leapt straight into calling them neurons when brain cells would have been fine. You said pathology when disease would have been fine. Think of the simplest way of describing something using the shortest words. Remember, you spend your entire life talking to other people just as smart as you are who know what microglial chemotaxis is. But actually, the guy who comes to fix your plumbing might not. So say cell movement so he understands. Similarly, with the non-specialist summary, you can assume they will be a scientist, but you can't assume they'll be in your field. Someone interested in the liver might not know what an astrocyte is or why the blood-brain barrier is important. Here you can still use terms like astrocyte or neuron rather than, say, brain cell. But if there's something more out of the ordinary, go on to explain why you're looking at them or why they're important in a normal brain. You guys, I can assume, are all dementia researchers, unless you're one of those poor people I assault with links to these on a regular basis. So a good exercise is to find an area of dementia you don't currently work in and try and write a lay abstract for the work. You're a clinical researcher using imaging and memory exercises. Go and find some preclinical research and practice a lay summary for it. You're a preclinical scientist working on mouse models. Go and find a project on identity in the dementia community and write a summary of it. Methods. I cannot stress this enough. I would like to be able to do your experiment. Please. I want to be able to replicate your science because we all know reproducibility is a major issue. And for that, I need details. 
I don't need to read that you incubated the cells with the antibody. I need to read that you incubated the cells for two hours at room temperature with a dilution of one in a hundred of an antibody you bought from somewhere I've heard of. I don't need every single detail. So for common techniques like Western blotting, you don't need to take me through every stage and tell me about every single five-minute wash step. But I need enough detail that I can do exactly what you did in my lab with my own reagents and it should work the same. Or I need to know exactly what type and age of patients you recruited so that if I try the same thing, I know whether we can compare our data. And I need enough detail that I can do that without having to email the corresponding author. Discussion and conclusion. This will be both a beautiful outline of how to write these and a beautiful conclusion to this mini lecture on how to write things. The beginning of your discussion should be like a mini abstract, but in the past tense. In this paper, we discovered something amazing using this super shiny technique. Then what you need to do is go ahead and discuss that. For very junior researchers, this is often a perplexing task and one that is not done well. So again, I shall err on the side of patronizing. Discussing it means that you need to take your results in the context of others and draw some conclusions. Try the three-sentence approach. We showed X. Fred also showed X. This proves Y. Or alternatively, we showed X. Fred showed Y. This means something. This is also where you can acknowledge some of the limitations and differences. Perhaps the reason your results and Fred's don't agree is because he used rats and you used mice. Or because he used cells and you used rats. Or because he looked in men and you looked in women. This is the kind of thing a discussion is meant to highlight. Conclusions are where you are allowed to let your hair down a little. I have previous supervisors who are extremely exuberant and every paper they've ever written has the next therapy for some disease in it. I'm a little bit more reticent, but this is where you're allowed to say things like, this has the potential to be a new therapy, or this could change the way we diagnose this disease. Be a little bold and conclude with something exciting. Sadly, I can't do that here. Thank you for listening. Join the Dementia Research bloggers and share your own views.